Hi, I'm Shannon. Good morning. Um, I'm a part of the Hello Fall team, and I would love to welcome each of you here today. Um, a special welcome if you are new or visiting. There are Connect cards in the seat backs in front of you. If you'll grab one of those, fill it out, and put it in one of the black boxes on your way out. So as I said, I'm a part of the Hello Fall team. It is coming up at the end of October, um, October 29th, 5 to 7, here at our campus. We are going to have a chili cook-off. We're going to have trunk or treat. So our parking lot's going to be lined with decorated trunks um, and people handing out candy and bounce houses. Um, and so we are just really excited about inviting the community. Um, so there are cards um, on the back um, of the car that's parked out front. So grab some of those and hand them out to friends and neighbors um, and invite them here. To pull this off, um, we do need some help. Um, if you are interested in cooking a pot of chili or um, decorating a trunk and bringing candy to hand out, or if you have a truck um, and can pull some lights for us from um, Andy's Taylor Rental, or if you'd like to sign up for the parking team or um, the setup or breakdown team, if you will write on your Connect card any of those things, um, then that will be great and the person um, responsible will get in touch with you. So last week, we, um, a lot of us went to Good News Camp at Southwind. Um, it was a really fun weekend. It was just nice to be able to um, just experience time away with a lot of you and um, just see the joy and the laughter on everyone's faces all weekend long and to see friendships and relationships deepened. Um, it was really special. So um, I would like to give special recognition to these people on the screen. These were our work crew for the weekend and um, they were the backbone of camp. They prepared our meals and cleaned our meals and so thank you so much. Um, to everyone who was a part of the work crew. And um, we've also got a little video coming up um, to sort of show the highlights from camp. <laughs> so
So like that last slide said, mark your calendars for next year, September 13th through 15th. Um, it's going to be a great time. Another um, great opportunity we have coming up um, are Christmas gatherings. I think one of the best ways to describe these um, are parties with a purpose. Um, there are two ways to participate. You can be a host or you can be a speaker. Um, and if you're a host, you're going to invite your friends, your neighbors um, to come into your home. And then the speaker will share um, the truth about Christmas and um, just the true meaning behind it. And so I'm really excited about this. Sarah Kunze is going to train us on October 7th. It's a Saturday from 9 to noon. And she's going to equip us with everything we need to know to either be a host or a speaker. Um, and so I would encourage you to join us for that. Um, she needs an RSVP by October 4th. Um, I'm really excited to do this with one of my friends because um, I just really want the women in my neighborhood to know Jesus. And so I'm excited that we have this opportunity coming up. Um, the next thing is another sweet opportunity um, for fathers and daughters. It's at the WGV campus um, on October 14th. And so you can sign up on the website. Um, so I would love to invite up Smiley and the Hunt family now. Let's welcome them. We have, let's line you guys up. You can help me too. Let's line up in age. Okay, boys, there we go. That'll help me. There we go. Let, there we go. So we have the parents, Adam and Kristen Hunt, and then Seth and Daniel and Abigail. They come to make good news their church home, and Seth and Daniel and Abigail come professing their faith in Christ and to be baptized. So that's why it's good. What a beautiful thing to have a family joining and being baptized together. Um, Jesus told us to be baptized. In a moment, I'm going to pour water over your head, and that's symbolic when we believe in Jesus, He promises to forgive us of all of our sins and to give us the Holy Spirit. Uh, so I'm going to pray and then I'll baptize you, okay? Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for Your promise that all who believe in You, as we're joined to You, that You wash all of our sins, past, present, and future away, and, and You give us the Holy Spirit and pray this water would assure them that that is true of them. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So Seth, if you step out just a little bit. Seth? Hunt, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then, yeah, that's good to chat. And then Daniel, Daniel, Hunt, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then Abigail, if we have you, Abigail, Hunt, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I mean, have you ever been really, really dirty and then you took a shower and you felt so clean? It's so special as Christians to be forgiven, but not only forgiven, but He gives us the Holy Spirit to live in us to make possible a whole new way of living. So excited for you guys. And I'm so excited that you're up here taking the membership vows together. So let me ask you these vows. And listen, as members, it's good when you hear them to be reminded of your own membership vows because you might have forgotten them. Do you acknowledge yourselves to be sinners in the sight of God, justly deserving His wrath and hopeless without His mercy? 
And do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior of sinners? And do you trust Him alone for salvation as He's offered in the gospel? And do you now resolve and promise and humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will seek to live as followers of Christ should? And do you promise to support the church and its worship and work to the best of your ability? And do you submit yourself to the government and discipline of the church and promise to promote its purity and peace? This is so special to see you guys professing faith and being baptized and taking the membership vows together. I'm really thankful that I get to be a part of this. So neat to see your family united by a love of Christ. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for the Hunt family for calling them to you and then bringing them to good news. Lord, help us to welcome them and provide a place where they can continue to grow in their walk with you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm going to welcome them now, but really encourage you after the service that you'd find them and make sure they feel welcome. So glad, so glad to have you guys a part of Good News. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks, thanks. Wow, sometimes things just kind of touch you in such a way it's hard to keep going, isn't it? That was so beautiful. Thank you for letting me be a part of that. Uh, I think I have a, a special picture here. And um, Tony wanted me to show this. And in kids' worship, they love to open up the Bible and read Bible stories together. And one of the things that helps the children to remember what they learned is to draw a picture. So can you tell what Bible story this is? Cain killing Abel, okay? And so Tony wanted me to let you know that if you'd like to help open the Bible with, with children and help them know Jesus, uh, you could mark that on your card, and she'd love to give you a chance to have the time of your life, uh, helping children have the time of their life learning about Jesus together. The Bible calls us to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, and so we rejoice here but Jim Zuccardi had been a member of Good News Church for years and years and years and years, and last week he died, and uh, the family's chosen at this point not to have a service, but wanted you guys to know because Jim was a very special part of the church for a long time, and we're going to miss him very much. Jim was, uh, uh, he always had a joke, and uh, I'll miss him very much. So let's spend some time in prayer. Lord Jesus, we're thankful that you rose on the first day of the week, and that's why we're here, to celebrate your resurrection. And we pray that the resurrection of Christ and the hope that offers of life after the grave would comfort Jim's family and friends who will miss him. And Lord, we're thankful to know he's with you. Lord, we're thankful for children and all who help in children's ministry. And Lord, we pray that more and more people would step in and help to welcome children and to, to teach them about you. Lord, we gather as a, as a needy people. You know our needs, financial needs and relational needs and, and health needs. Lord, meet our needs. And Lord, we pray as we open up your word together today that you, Holy Spirit, you would teach us. We pray that you would win the lost among us and, and that you would build believers and you would equip, equip workers and multiply disciple makers. Lord, we need you. 
And boy, our culture needs you. And so we pray for a revival. Will you not yourself revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you're new as a church, we believe the Bible is God's word. We love to open it up and read it together. And we're in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and this is our last week here. We've been here for four weeks. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14, remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words, uh, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Recently, Good News Church was falsely accused of placing too much of an emphasis on evangelism. And I say falsely accused because I wish it were true. I wish we really did put that much emphasis on evangelism. And, and when someone says something like that, what strikes me is they really don't love the lost. They really don't believe that people are lost. Uh, I mean... Any of you ever lost a kid? I mean, not permanently, but just for a while. Any of you lost a kid? Man, I have. And aren't you consumed with it? It was many years ago. I mean, we have six kids. It was many years ago. We're in Boca Raton. And, and Karen sends me to the beach with Nathan, who's about two or under. And then Luke's about four. Lydia's about five. She's probably home with the, our, our new baby, Caleb. And this day, I go to Deerfield Beach. And it's one of those days that looks like, where's Waldo? I mean, you ever go to a beach and it looks like that? So who would trust me with three kids? I have no idea. But Lydia and Luke wanted to go out in the ocean, and so I put Nathan, I put Nathan on, the, on the beach and say, stay there. And then I go out in the water, and I keep looking and keep looking, and then, and then I lose sight for a second, and I look, and he's gone. And the beach looks just like that. And listen, I am freaked out. I am, where is he? I am consumed with finding him. And being a brilliant father, I come up to the beach and I tell Lydia and Luke, you go this way, <laughs> south, and I'll go this way. And I take five or six steps and say, oh, no, now I've lost all three kids. <laughs> How can I ever go home? And I'm praying, and, and, and I run back, and I find Lydia, and I find Luke, and I find Nathan. And we have this huge, huge hug, and I am so thankful. First of all, because I love my kids. But secondly, I can go home now. <laughs> oh. Listen, I, I wasn't too consumed with finding my kids. They were lost. And when they're lost, you're consumed with finding them, Right? And so it is when we believe the gospel is true, then we believe that people are lost. And when we believe that people are lost, we're consumed with wanting to see them come to Jesus, aren't we? Uh, and you say, well, Smiley, what do you mean people are lost? Isn't that what the gospel teaches? Isn't that the bad news of the gospel that we were all once lost? In Isaiah 53, verse 6 all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Remember how I told you, I told Nathan, stay here. But did he listen? No. And so God tells us, 
what's right and wrong. And he says, stay within this. And we say, what? No. And we, what? We go astray. We say to God, God, we know better than you. So we don't put God first. And we say, God, we don't know, we know better than you. So we don't honor our father and mother or reserve sex for marriage, or, or tell the truth. So we wander away from God, and we wander so far away from God that we can't find our way back. The bad news of the gospel is we've all sinned against God. We've gone our own way. The God we've sinned against is a just God, and He says what we deserve for what we've done is eternal death, which is hell itself. So the bad news is that we were lost, and... and and we were, uh, we were headed to hell, and we were held captive by the devil, and we could not save ourselves. Now, I ask you if you'd ever lost a kid, how many of you have ever been lost? Oh, man, I've been lost. And when you're lost, the one thing you wonder is, does anyone care? Does anyone know I'm lost? Is there anyone who is searching for me? And you know what the gospel says? That, that Jesus knew, here's the good news, that we were lost and he was seeking and saving us. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. He saw us lost, headed to hell, held captive by the devil. So God the Son, just like I went looking for my kids, God the Son put on flesh to come and seek and save us. Lived a perfect life, went to the cross and died for our sins, right? Oh, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord, God the Father, has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. So the Father put our sins on Jesus. He died in our place once and for all as our substitute to pay the penalty for our sins, crying out, it is finished. He died. He was buried, but he didn't stay dead. On the third day, he rose. Now, now, sin and death are connected. Death is the penalty for sin, and Jesus, having paid that penalty in full, he rose and he offers us salvation as a free gift. It's a salvation from being lost. It's a salvation from death. It's a salvation from, from the devil. And it's a salvation for forgiveness and being able to do life and eternity with Jesus. And how do we get this gift? It's by faith, isn't it? I mean, the question of all questions was asked by a jailer. In Acts 16, verse 30, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? One of the things that amazes me as a pastor is how few people ever ask me that question. Uh, the most common question that I get is, do you have some money? But, but listen, I have something so much better than money I have salvation that you can experience. You can find forgiveness of your sins and you can be saved from sin and death to live with Jesus now and forever. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Notice, they didn't say try harder. They didn't say be good. They said believe in the Lord Jesus. Quit believing in yourself and believe in the Lord Jesus. Put your faith in Him and you will be saved, you and your household. Didn't we just see a beautiful picture of a household saved, didn't we? Oh, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. So it's really important to understand what does it mean to believe. And it really is simple, as simple as A, B, C, where we admit and believe and commit. And if you've never been saved, won't you be this morning because one day it'll be too late. You can do that right now or, or as I close in prayer, I'll assist you. But it starts when we admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. 
And then we believe, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And then we commit to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Jesus, come in and be my Savior and Lord and help me be the person you want me to be. Have you done that? You know what happened the day I did that? When I put my faith in Jesus, there welled up in me a love for Jesus. I loved him. I wanted to know him and follow him and read his word, don't you? And listen, when, when Jesus moved in and I believed in the gospel, I had a love for his people. I loved his people and wanted to be with them. And listen, when I believed in the gospel, there was a love in my heart for lost people. I had so many friends, and I wanted them to know what I knew. I wanted them to know Jesus more than anything. I still do, don't you? And that's why we've spent the last four weeks in the same passage. You see, our purpose as a church is to make disciples together. And so for four weeks, the purpose of, or the point of the message has been the same, that a follower of Jesus has three great loves. We spent two weeks and looked at how uh, a follower of Jesus loves Jesus. And then we took last week, we took last week and we looked at uh, how to, the importance of loving one another. And today we're going to look at how when we believe the gospel, it produces in us a love for the lost. When we understand how lost people are and, and what a Savior we have, we want to bring the two together. So as we walk through this passage... Paul is going to teach us that if we love the lost people, he gives us three pictures of what that would look like. To love the lost is to want to be a skillful worker. It's to want to be a skillful worker. It's to want to be a useful vessel. It's to want to be a winsome witness. So let's start with a skillful worker. To, to love the lost is to want to be a skillful worker. Verse 15, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. If we love lost people, we're willing to train so that we're skilled with God's word, we're skilled with sharing the gospel so we can win the loss. Let me ask you, you go into a restaurant tonight and someone chokes to death and you say, man, I wish I remembered that Heimlich maneuver. And you go into a restaurant tomorrow and someone chokes to death and you think, man, that's twice. I, I wish I knew how to do that Heimlich thing. And then the, how many nights, how many people would you watch choke to death until you went to someone who was trained and said, listen, I'm tired of saying, will you? Will you train me how to use the Heimlich Maneuver? How many? And, and the question would be, how many friends would we watch die and go to hell without attempting to share the gospel with them until we said, listen, I have friends and I want them to know Christ. Will you equip me? Will you train me in how to share my faith? Isn't that what he's saying here? To love the loss is to be willing to train. Did you, anybody watch any football games yesterday? Did, do you know how much time they've been spending training to play a game? And Jesus says if we love lost people, then we want to train for something far more important than winning a game of winning people. Be diligent. 
to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be the same, accurately handling the word of truth. You ever notice that I share the gospel every Sunday? You ever notice that? Some of you say, yeah, well, it's just because you're old and senile. And that's true, it's true, but that's not why I share the gospel every week. The reason I share the gospel every week is there's, all, there's three reasons. The first is there's always someone here who's never heard. There always is. You have no idea how many people have come here in the first week they heard the gospel, the bad news and the good news in our part, and they responded in their life and eternity was changed. And listen, when you invite people and you're sitting with someone and you want them to hear the gospel, you'll be so glad the gospel is shared every week. It'll change everything. The second reason I share the gospel every week is because we need to be reminded, oh man, I was lost and I heard the gospel and I came to faith in Christ. We need to be reminded, right? But the third reason that I share the gospel every week is I want to equip you to share the gospel. And I know some of you leave here on Sundays and say, I have heard the bad news and the good news in our part so many times I could share that in my sleep. And you know what? You can. You really can. And not only that, but you've been given the Holy Spirit to help you. You can do it. You can be a skillful worker. You can win people to faith in Christ. You can. And to help you in that, we've put together a, just a little do-you-know booklet. Pick one up. It's what we hear every single week. It's meant, don't give it to someone. Read it to them. It's meant to be read to them. And here's what you do. As we share the bad news, we read the text ourselves, but then we get the person we're sharing with to read the verse, and we ask them questions. Let me demonstrate. You see, the bad news is we've all sinned against God and are in big trouble. You see this verse here, Romans 33, 23? Would you read it for me? Would you read it for me? So who does the Bible say is sin? So do you know what a sin is? A sin is a crime against God. And something happens when people read the Word of God and you ask them questions, the Holy Spirit moves to convict them of their sin. And so then we read to them uh, about the good news of what Jesus did and, and then we come to our part. And so we say... Our part is we receive this gift by faith. Would you read this verse for me? Would you read it for me? So good. So then I ask them the question, so who does Jesus say has eternal life? So it's really important then to know what it means to believe. And believing in Jesus is as simple as ABC where we admit and believe and commit. Do you know when I was a kid, I went to church and I memorized John 3.16, but no one ever asked me any questions. I so wished that when they taught me the verse, they would just have asked me, who does Jesus say has eternal life? Why didn't they just ask me? Why didn't they share with me what it meant to believe? They just taught me the verse and that was good, but it wasn't enough. Oh, so we want to train you to be a skillful worker because when we love the lost, we have people we want to bring to Christ. Um, 
You say you'd like more training, you can go on our website, goodnewsloves.com, and you'll find there a training video. You can watch the video. It'll help you. It'll train you. You say you even want more than that after you've done that. We have many people in our church that are training others on how to share their faith, and we'd love to train you. I mean, if people will train to win a game, and we love lost people, wouldn't we want to train to be skillful with God's Word? Um, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. Don't get caught up in silly conversation. Listen, because what you want to use is the word of God to draw people to faith in Christ. And their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and they upset the faith of some. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal, the Lord knows those who are His, and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. Um, you, know, you know what makes a pastor, being a pastor, the greatest job in the world? When someone is trained and then they, they lead someone to faith in Christ and then they let me know. And so this week I get this text. And isn't this, I mean, talk about something that, that just puts some wind in your sail. Smiley, today my buddy Eric put his faith in Jesus. Thanks so much for equipping us each week. And so we rejoice that we saw four people this week who put their faith in Jesus Christ. And we rejoice with that. <laughs> and what's really neat is last year we had 46 people lead someone to faith in Christ, and we were praying that that would double this year, which would make it 92. And we had two new people this week, so that was 74 and 75. We've had 75 skillful workers this year who've shared the gospel with someone and seen them come to faith in Christ. Uh, don't you want to be one? Oh, when we love the lost, when we love the lost, we want to become skillful workers, skillful in handling the gospel. We want to become a useful vessel, a useful vessel. Now, in a large house, verse 20, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things... He will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master. Jesus chose you because he wants you to be useful, sanctified, set apart, thankful, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Don't you want to be prepared for every good work? You see, Jesus said it was to our advantage that he go away. Because what happened when Jesus ascended into heaven, he poured out the Holy Spirit and his church was birthed. And all of us have the opportunity to be his, his, his body, to be those useful vessels that Jesus uses to draw his people to himself. Don't you want to be useful to him? Oh, in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus loved the lost, you know. In Matthew 9, verse 36, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Do you ever look at the 200,000 lost people in our county and just see how distressed they are because they don't know Jesus like you do? 
Do, do, do you feel compassion for them like Jesus did? Notice what he says. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He says, you see those people that are lost? Many of them are ready to come to Christ. They just need someone who loves them enough to share with them. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Pray. Pray the Lord would send out workers, useful vessels. And, and when you pray, we say, Lord, I'd like to be one. I'd like to be one of them. I'd like to be one of those you could use to draw your people to yourself. Well, how do we become that useful vessel? Remember when Jesus called Peter and Andrew in Matthew 4.19? Remember what he said? And he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. You want to be a useful vessel? Jesus says, follow me, follow me, and I'll show you how. So the disciple-making term used to be a, a useful vessel is to follow Jesus, right, and to fish for men. But the fancy theological word to describe the thing, same thing is what we call sanctification. Sanctification is that process of following Jesus. That's what's being described in this verse. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor. If we want to be a useful vessel, all those things in our life that keep us from being a useful vessel, we begin to throw out of our lives so that we're sanctified, useful, prepared for every good work, and then we begin to replace those things with things that prepare us for every good work. Now, important things are repeated, so now he tells it to us again. He says, now flee from youthful loss. You want to be a useful, uh, a useful vessel? Then throw out of your life, run from those things that keep you from being useful, and instead pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. See the word lust? The Greek word for lust is epithumai, and thumai means to desire, and epi means to uh, above, so it's a over-desire. And, and what it means is we desire good things badly. See, youthful lust, sex is a great gift from God, but, but, a, but making sex our ultimate goal in God, then we get involved in sex outside of marriage. And when we do that, we're not useful to the Lord for winning people to Christ. So the Bible says flee from that. And money's a good thing. Money's a good thing, but when the love of money is the most important thing in our life, then that hinders us from being useful to the Lord and winning people to Christ. And when we long for power, listen, listen, when we long for that too much, then we are not useful to the Lord. So what would move us? What would move us to flee from youthful loss and to pursue the things that would make us useful to the Lord? The the best definition that I've ever heard for self-control, this is so good, the best definition of self-control is the right ordering of our passions. The right ordering of our passions. That if our first love is Jesus, and our second love is His people, and our third love is the lost, and then sex, and then money, or underneath that, then they will be in the right place. 
the right ordering of our passions when Jesus is our first love and we love Him. And, and then we love one another and we love the lost. That gives us tremendous power to throw out of our lives those things that would keep us from being useful and to build in the things that are. Oh, to illustrate, I'm amazed at how many people have asked me, well, did you and Karen have sex before you got married? And I said, listen... I'm a follower of Jesus, and Jesus is my first love, and I am a pastor, and I love the people in my church, and I don't want to cause them to stumble, and I love lost people, and I want to be useful to the Lord. So no, I didn't, because those loves were greater, so we were willing to wait until we got married. Young men, when you meet a young lady and she's attractive, do you want to win her to faith in Christ or do you want to sleep with her? Which do you want to do? Because one of those will be more important to you. And the one that's more important to you will determine the choices that you make. And the same is true. The same is true as a married man. If you're a married man and you see an attractive woman, what do you want? Do you want to sleep with her or do you want to win her to faith in Christ? The greater passion will win. And the great need in the church of Jesus Christ and the great need in our community is for men who love Jesus, who love one another, who love lost people. And that's what influences their choices. And it's not easy. That's why he says, listen, Flee from youthful lust and pursue. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Don't do it by yourself with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. That's why we need each other. So listen, to love the lost is to want to become a skillful worker. It's to want to become a useful vessel that we throw out of our lives the things that hinder us and we build in the things that would help us. It's to want to be a winsome witness. And you say, well, what do you mean a winsome witness? Well, I mean, we want to win some people to Christ. Verse 23, but refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. Don't get involved in quarrels. We want to win people, not arguments. But I know this one guy told me, well, smiling, I don't like the word win. Well, I'm sorry you don't like the word when, but actually it's a biblical word. Did you know that? In Proverbs chapter 11, look at this. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who is wise wins souls. Come on, wouldn't you like to be a tree of life? Wouldn't you like to be a winsome witness that people can pluck from you the tree of life and live forever? Oh, Paul likes the word when. In 1 Corinthians 9, six times in this chapter, he uses the word when. Six times. Here's just two of them. In verse 19, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all so that I may win more. Paul says, man, whatever it takes, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to win the people I love to Christ. Are we? Paul would say, to the weak I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that I may by all means save some. Whatever it takes. Imagine what could happen in our community if, if we were like that. We were those who, whatever it took to win the people we love to faith in Christ, we were willing to do. 
So the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. We're gentle because we want to win them. Listen, the most offensive part of the gospel is what? You know what it is. It's the bad news. That's what offends people. They like the idea of Jesus. It's their sin. So how do we gently correct people? When I expose people's sins, I love to go first. God wants first place in our life. I haven't always put Him first place. Have you? God wants us to honor our father and mother. I didn't honor my father and mother. Have you? God says not to bear false witness. Listen, I haven't always done that. Have you? So we're gently correcting those who are in opposition. And here's what we're praying. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, we're praying as we're sharing, God, grant them repentance. Holy Spirit, grant them repentance that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. This week, I'm asking a lady how she came to faith in Christ, and she said, smile, I'll never forget, I'll never forget when the Holy Spirit turned the lights on. When the lights came on, I saw my sin. When the lights came on, I saw Jesus, and He was so beautiful, and I said yes, and He changed my life. That's my story. Isn't it yours? Isn't it? I mean, I remember the day the lights came on. I was so much worse than I ever imagined. But Jesus was so much greater, right? And I said yes. And so as we share, we're praying, turn the lights on, turn the lights on, grant them repentance. And oh, what a moment to be there when someone sees their sin and they see Jesus and they say yes to Him. See, to love the lost, to love the lost, is to want to be a, a skillful worker, a useful vessel, a winsome witness. So I bet you can't guess what the action step for the week's going to be. What I want you to do is to love the lost, to love the lost. So let me help you get there. If we're going to love the lost, it's going to be through the power of the gospel. And so it's really important we learn how to preach the gospel to ourselves first so that we can then preach it to others. So I want to show you what we read this week in Philippians. And listen, if you've not been reading with us, pick up a study. Join us this week in Colossians because Philippians was so good. Oh, it was all about joy. I read this week Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. You know why he says rejoice in the Lord always? Because the world's always sucking our joy out of us. It is. So we're continually rejoicing, getting the joy back in. This week, when we get up, let's begin our day with the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let's preach the gospel to ourselves because when the gospel fills our hearts, then we want to give it away. Let us rejoice that we know Jesus. And because of that, our failures are not fatal and our lives are not futile and our death is not final. And when we're full of joy, then we're compelled to go and share that with others because we love them. Oh, it's what Paul said in this book. Remember when we read in Philippians 2, verse 17? Now, by the way, Paul's in prison when he wrote this. But he says, But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice. See, before we ever share the gospel with others, we need to share the gospel with ourselves. And so he says, 
I rejoice and share my joy with you all. And some of you say, but it's not a, you don't know how bad my circumstances are. I want you to know, Paul said rejoice in the Lord. He didn't say to rejoice in your circumstances. So he says, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Now, what I love about Paul is he kind of practiced what he preached. And so he had a practice of rejoicing in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Even in the most difficult situations. In Acts 16, Paul is actually in Philippi. He leads Lydia to faith in Christ. And then there's a girl there that annoys him. Don't you love that? I mean, aren't there people in your life who annoy you? Aren't you comforted to know that the apostles are annoyed by people? And he not only was annoyed, he was greatly annoyed by her. She was possessed by a demon and she kept following Paul around. Finally, he had enough and he cast the demon out. But her owners were very upset, her master, because they made a lot of money off her. So they had Paul and Silas arrested, beaten, stripped naked, thrown into a prison, chained. Now, what did Paul say? He said, what? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So what do you think we find Paul doing in prison? Exactly what he asked us to do. In Acts 16, verse 25, but about midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Well, of course they were. They had never seen prisoners sing. They had seen prisoners curse and yell, but they had never seen naked, chained men singing filled with joy. They said, what do they have? They were listening. They lived question-raising lives. Wouldn't it be great if we did? What do they have? What do they have? And suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. Now a lot of you are saying, this is long, this is long. How can we get out of here? But I want you to know, prisoners, they were in prison and the doors were open and no one left because what was happening in here was something they had never seen before. People overflowing with joy and they said, I don't know what you have, but whatever you have, I want it. Wouldn't it be great if we lived question-raising lives like that? I don't know what you guys have, but I sure want it. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. You see, if... If the jailer lost his prisoners, they would have put him to death, so he's about to kill himself. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Uh, you know why Paul stayed in prison? Because he loved the lost. That if he had escaped, this guy would have been killed and he would have gone to hell. But Paul stayed. And because he stayed, the man's going to hear the gospel and come to faith in Christ. And he called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, 
Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Um, next Sunday morning, will you do this? Before you come here, will you preach the gospel to yourself first? Will you get up and say, rejoice in the Lord always? Again, I will say rejoice. And then when we gather together, what if our worship service was like that jail cell? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great that, that people would come in here and say, man, I don't know what these people have, but whatever they have, that joy, I want it. How do I get it? Wouldn't that be great? Will you help us get there? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And then Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, when we get up, let's start our day with Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And as we preach the gospel to ourselves and we're full of joy and then we go out into our joyless, hopeless culture, won't we stand out just like they stood out in prison, won't we? And people will say, where did you get that joy? You can point them to Jesus. Don't you know he's the joy giver? Oh, dear people, when we preach the gospel to ourselves that our failures are not fatal and our lives are not futile and our death is not final, and then we go out and people share with us the things they've done wrong, and we can say, oh, I'm so thankful to be a Christian. Why? Because it's a Christian. Our failures are not fatal. We're forgiven. Wouldn't you like to be forgiven? You can. And when we tell ourselves that our lives are not futile and we go out and people say, life is so hard, we can say, me too, but I'm so thankful to be a Christian because we get to do life with Jesus. I have a friend and I have a purpose and you can too. And when people tell us, you know, we say our death is not fighting, when we go out and people are so discouraged because they got a bad report from the doctor, we can say, listen, I'm so thankful to be a Christian because when we're a Christian, we know that our death is not final. Oh, imagine, imagine what could happen if we simply did what Paul said, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord, always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much. When we were lost, in hell bound and hell captive, you came. You came to seek and save us. Thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins and rising, uh, rising again and offering us salvation. Listen, if you're here and you've never been saved, won't you while there's still time? I mean, won't you tell Jesus, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my Savior. And forgive me. And give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, way to go. Won't you mark that on a card? We'd love to celebrate with you. And Jesus, I pray for all of us who've received you that you would produce in us a love for the lost. That we all would say to you, Lord, I want to be a skillful worker. Won't you say that? Lord, I, I want to be a useful vessel. What do I need to throw out of my life to be useful? Lord, what do I need to add in to be useful? Lord, I, I, I want to be a winsome witness. I want to win some to you. 
Lord, I pray this week that we would rejoice in the Lord always. And as we go out, that our joy, the joy is the body of Christ, would fill our joyless community with your presence. And Lord, next Sunday, I pray before we come, we would fill up with joy so that when lost people come among us, they would say, I don't know what these people have. But I sure want it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand.